Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hello, everybody. It is late, huh? Yeah. Actually, well, like late in the morning. And we're not recording from home, are we? No. Where are we recording from? In our car. In our car. Where are we at? My dentist. At Hot Mug. Well, we're at your orthodontist appointment. We're also at home. Yeah, kind of. And we just decided we're going to take an easy morning today. So here we are. And we were supposed to finish the book, and uh, we uh, didn't do that, did we? No. We didn't do any chapters, so that's where we are. We're here now. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, Book of the Eighth, The Hostile Hospital. Would you rather sit at, when we go to your school, finish the book before we walk you up? Let's just do it. You have an excuse. Okay, let's do it. See, you got to play hooky every once in a while for, for, it's a mental health day, right? What does hooky mean? Like play hooky, like don't go to school. Just just because you're like, I don't feel like it. I mean, you're going after your dentist appointment. And after you read some pages, <laughs> let's finish the book. I like that. Okay. Chapter 11, book the eighth, the hostile hospital, the hostile hospital. Operating theaters are not nearly as popular as dramatic theaters, musical theaters, and movie theaters. And it's easy to see why. A dramatic theater, a dramatic theater, well, now I lost my spot, is a huge dark room in which actors perform a play. And if you are an audience, you can enjoy yourself by listening to the dialogue and looking at the costumes. A musical theater is a large dark room in which musicians perform a symphony. And if you're in the audience, you can enjoy yourself by listening to the melodies and watching the conductor wave his little stick around. And a movie theater is a large dark room in which projection shows a, a projectionist shows a film. And if you're in the aud- audience, you can enjoy yourself by eating popcorn and gossiping about movie stars. But an operating theater is a large dark room in which doctors perform medical procedures. And if you're in the audience, the best thing to do is leave at once because there's never anything on display on an operating theater but pain, suffering, and discomfort for the reason that most operating theaters have been closed down or have been turned into restaurants. What? Interesting. Okay. I'm sorry to say, however, that the operating theater at Heimlich Hospital was still quite popular at the time of this, that this story takes place. As Klaus and Sonny have followed Olaf, two, Olaf's two disguised associates through the, door, the, through the square metal door, they saw the large dark room was filled with people. People. <laughs> there were rows of doctors in white coats and clearly eager to see the new operation being performed. There were, there were clusters of nurses sitting together and whispering with excitement about the world's first crady, craniectomy. And by the way, operating um, theaters like this, they're actually a real thing. And they're mm-hmm. usually done when a really, really rare operation is done so that other doctors can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Cool, huh? And, like, other, like, doctors and surgeons from even other hospitals get invited to come watch because it's such a prestigious and, um, you know, opportunity. So that's cool for learning. Okay. First craniectomy. 
there was a large group of volunteer fighting disease who seemed to ready, ready to burst into a song if needed. And there were a great many people who looked like they had simply walked over to the operating theater to see what was playing. The four disguised people wheeled the gurney into a small bare stage lit by chandelier and that was hanging from the ceiling. And as soon as the light chandelier fell on Klaus and Sonny's unconscious sister, all of the audience members burst into cheers and applause. The roar from the crowd made Klaus and Sonny even more anxious, but Olaf's two associates stepped moving the, stopped moving the gurney, raised their arms, and bowed several times. Thank you very much, the hook-handed man cried. Doctors, nurses, volunteer fighting disease, reporters from the Daily Punctilio, distinguished guests, and regular people. Welcome and regular people. That's funny. Welcome to the operating theater at Heimlich Hospital. I am Dr. O. Lucafont, and I will be your medical host for today's performance. Hooray for Dr. Lucafont, a doctor cried as the crowd burst into applause again, and the hook-handed man raised his rubber glove and hands and took another bow. I am Dr. Fluctuano, the bald man announced, looking a bit jealous of all the applause the hook-handed man was getting. I am the surgeon who invented this craniectomy, and I am thrilled to operate today in front of all of you wonderful and attractive people. Hooray for Dr. Fluctuano, a nurse shouted at the crowd, and the crowd applauded again. Some of the reporters even whistled at the, as the bald man bowed deeply, using a hand to hold his curly wig on his head. The surgeon is right, the hook-handed man said. You are wonderful and attractive. You are wonderful and attractive, all of you. Go on, give yourselves a big hand. Hooray for us, cried a volunteer. And the audience applauded another time. The two Baudelaire's looked at their older sister, hoping that the noise of the crowd would wake her up. But Violet didn't move. Now, the two lovely ladies that you see are associates of mine named Dr. Takuna. Tuk- what is it, Dr. Takuna? I don't know. Um, and Nurse Flo, the bald man continued, why don't you give them the same wonderful welcome you gave us? Klaus and Sonny half expected someone in the shower to crowd. They aren't medical associates. Those are two children wanted for murder. But instead, the crowd merely cheered once more, and the two children found themselves waving miserably at the members of the audience. Although the youngest youngsters believed that they hadn't been recognized the butterflies in their stomach only got worse as everyone in the operating theater grew more and more eager for the operation to begin and now that you've all met our fantastic performers the hook-handed the hook-handed man began <sighs> let let the show begin dr fluctuano are you ready to begin I sure am, the bald man said. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sure you know, a craniectomy is a procedure in which the patient's head is removed. Scientists have discovered that many health problems are rooted in the brain, so that the best thing to do with this is to do with a sick patient is remove it. However, a craniectomy is dangerous as it is necessary. There is a chance that Laura V. Bledioti might die in this operation while, the, while being performed, but sometimes one must risk accidents in order to cure illness. A patient's death would certainly be a terrible accident, Dr. Fluctuano, the hook-handed man said. It sure would, Dr. O. Lucafont. The bald man agreed. That's why I'm going to have my associates perform the surgery while I supervise. Dr. Tuna, D- Dr. Takuna, and Dr. and Nurse Flo, you may begin. The crowd applauded once more, and Olaf's associates bowed and blew kisses at, at each corner of the operating theater as the two children looked at one another in horror. 
What can we do? Klaus murmured to his sister, looking out at the crowd. We're surrounded by people who expect us to solve Violet's head off. Sunny looked at Violet, who's still unconscious on the gurney, and, sent, and then at her brother, who was holding the long rusty knife as May had given him. Stall, she said. The word stall has two meanings, but with this, but as with most words with two meanings, you can figure out which meaning is being used by, the, by looking at the situation. The word stall, for example, can refer to a place where horses are kept. But Klaus knew at once that Sunny meant something along the lines of, we'll try and postpone the operation as long as we can, Klaus. And he nodded silently in agreement. Those, the middle Baudelaire took a deep breath and closed her eyes, trying to think of something that, they, that could help them postpone the craniectomy. Wait, and but, one, wait. once he thought of something he had read. Yeah. Sunny's the middle Baudelaire? No, she said to the middle Baudelaire. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the baby's the middle one. I was like, wait. What? <laughs> um, when you read as many books as Klaus Baudelaire, you are going to learn a great deal of information that not might that might not become useful for a long time. You might read a book that will teach you all about exploration of outer space. And if you don't become an astronaut until you're 80 years old, oh, and even if you don't become an astronaut until you're 80 years old, you might read a book about how to perform tricks on, on ice skates and then be forced to to perform these tricks for a few weeks you might read a book on how to have a successful marriage when only the woman you will ever have then you when you have bah, when the only woman you have ever loved married someone else then perished in a ter- one terrible afternoon but although klaus has read books on outer space exploration ice skating tricks and good marriage methods he and and not found much use for this information he had learned a great deal of information that was about to become very useful indeed. Before I make the first incision, Klaus said, using a fancy word for cut, in order to make a sound like a medical professional, I think Nurse Flo and I should take a little bit of an equipment, take a little, talk a little bit about the equip, about the equipment we're using. Oh my gosh, I think I had too much coffee this morning. Sunny looked at her brother quizzically. Knife, she said. That's right, Klaus said. It's a knife and... Well, we all know it's a knife, Dr. Takuna, the hook-handed man said, smiling to the audience, as a bald man leaned in to whisper to Klaus. What are you doing, he hissed. Just saw off the brat's head and we'll be done. A real doctor would never perform an operation without explaining everything, Klaus whispered back. We have to keep talking or we'll never fool them. Olaf's associates looked at Klaus and Sunny for a moment, and the two Baudelaire's got ready to drag Violet's gurney off with them if they recognize if they were recognized at last but after a moment hesitation the two disguised men looked at each other and nodded oh i suppose you're right the hook-handed man said and then turned to the audience sorry for the delay folks as you know we're real doctors and that's why we're explaining everything carry on dr takuna the craniectomy will be performed with a knife klaus said which is the oldest surgical tool in the world he was remembering a section on knives in the complete history of surgical tools, which he had read when he was 11. Early knives have been found in the Egyptian tomb and Mayan temples, where they were used for ceremonial purposes and mostly fashioned out of stone. Gradually, bronze and iron became essential materials and knives, although some of the cultures fashioned them out of incis- ooh, incisors of slain animals. Interesting, they used to have a- make them out of teeth, animal teeth teeth sunny explained there are a number of different types of knife klaus ex- it continued including the pocket knife the pen knife and the drawing knife but the one required for this craniectomy is a bowie knife named after colonel james bowie who lived in texas 
wasn't a mag what what wait wasn't that a magnificent explanation ladies and gentlemen the hook-handed man said it sure was one of the reporters agreed she was a woman wearing gray suit chewing gum as she spoke into a small microphone i can see the headline now doctor and nurse explain history of a knife wait until the readers of the daily punctilio see that the audience applauded in agreement and as the operating theater filled with the sound of cheers and clapping violet moved her violet moved on her gurney ever so slightly her mouth opened a little a little wider and one of her one of her limp hands stirred briefly the motions were so small that only klaus and sunny noticed them and they looked at one another hopefully could they keep stalling until the anesthesia wore off completely enough talk the bald man whispered to the children it's lots of fun fooling innocent people but we better get on with the operation before this orphan wakes up before i make the first incision klaus continued again to the to addressing his audience as if the bald man hadn't spoken to him i would like to say a few words of concerning rust words concerning rust he paused he paused a moment to remember what he had learned about a book entitled what happens to wet metal which has received a which he had received as a gift from his mother Rust is a reddish-brown coating that forms on certain metals when they oxidize, which is a scientific term for medical reaction occurring when iron or steel comes into contact with moisture. He held up the rusty knife for the audience to see, and out of the corner of his eye, he saw Violet's hand move again, just barely. The oxidation process is an integral is integral to craniectomy due to the oxidative process of the cellular mitochondria and cosme- cosmetic dismification. Demystification. He continued trying to use as many complicated words as he could think of. Clap, Sunny cried, and the audience applauded once more, although not nearly as loud this time. Very impressive, the bald associate said, glaring at Klaus over his surgical mask. But I think these lovely people will understand the process better once the head has actually been removed. Of course, Klaus said, but first we need to tenderize the vertebrae so we can make a clean cut. Nurse Flo, will you please nibble on Vi, I mean, Laura V. Bodolite's neck? Bo, bo, well, bleedily, oh God, bleediotes neck? Yes, Sonny said with a smile, knowing just what Klaus was up to. Standing on his, on tiptoe, the youngest Bodolite gave her sister a, sp- a few small nibbles on the neck, hoping that it would wake up Violet as Sonny's teeth scraped against her skin. Violet twitched and her mouth shut, but nothing more. What are you doing? The hook-handed man demanded with a furious whisper. Perform the operation at once or Mattathias will be furious. It not Nurse Flo wonderful, Klaus asked the audience. But a few members of the crowd clapped and there was not a single cheer. The people in the operating theater were clearly eager to see some surgery rather than to hear any more explanations. I believe you've bitten her neck enough, the bald man said. The voice... His voice was friendly and professional, but his eyes were gazing at the children suspiciously. Let's get on with the craniectomy. Klaus nodded and clasped the knife in his hands, both holding it up over his helpless sister. He looked at Violet's sleeping and sleeping figure and wondered if he could make a very small cut on Violet's neck, one that would wake her up but wouldn't injure her. He looked at the rusty blade, which was shaking up and down in his hands, trembling in fear. And then he looked at Sunny, who had stopped nibbling Violet's neck and was looking at him wide-eyed. I can't do it, he whispered, and he looked up to the ceiling. High above them was a square intercom speaker that he hadn't noticed before, and the sight of the speaker made him think of something. I can't do it, he announced, and there was a gasp from the crowd.
The hook-handed man took a step forward from the gurney, towards the gurney, and pointed his limp, curved glove at Klaus. The middle Baudelaire could see his sharp, the sharp tip of his hook pointing through the finger of the glove. What, the finger of the, what? He has a glove on a hook? Yeah, so then they can't see his hooks. Okay, but they can't they see, like, the fingers flopping around? I'm just saying. Why not? The hook-handed man asked quietly. Klaus swallowed, hoping to still sound like a medical professional instead of a scared child. Before I make the first incision, there's one more thing that has to be done. The most important thing we do here at Heimlich Hospital. And what is that? The bald man asked. His surgical mask curled down as he gave the children a sinister frown. But Sunny's mask began to curl up the opposite direction when she realized what Klaus was talking about and began to smile. Paperwork, she shouted to the Baudelaire's delight, and the audience began to applaud once more. Hooray! Called members of VFD from the back of the operating from oh, from the back of the operating theater. As the cheering continued, hooray for paperwork! Olaf's two associates looked at one another in frustration as the Baudelaire's looked to one another in relief. Hooray for paperwork! Indeed, cried Klaus. Cried, we can't operate until the patient has been has her file absolutely complete. I can't believe we forgot about it, even for a moment, nurse cried. Paperwork is the most important thing that we do at this hospital. I can see the headline now, said the reporter who had spoken earlier. Heimlich Hospital almost forgets paperwork. Wait until the readers of the Daily Punctilio see that. Somebody call Hal, suggested the doctor. He's in charge of the library of records so he can solve all of this paperwork problem. I'll call Hal right now, announced a nurse walking out of the operating theater, and the crowd clapped in support of her decision. There's no need to call Hal, said the hook-handed man, holding up his hooked glove to try and calm the crowd. The paperwork has been taken care of, I promise you. But all that surgical paperwork has to be verified by Hal, Klaus said. That's the policy of Heimlich Hospital. The man glared down at the children and spoke to them in a frightening whisper. What in the world are you doing, he asked. He asked them, you're going to ruin everything. I think Dr. Takuna is right, another doctor said. That is the policy here. The crowd applauded again, and Klaus and Sonny looked at one another. The two Baudelaire's, of course, had no idea what the hospital's policy was concerning surgical paperwork, but they were beginning to see that the crowd would believe just about anything if they thought it was being said by a medical professional. Hal is on his way, the nurse announced, re-entering the room. There's apparently been a problem at the library of records, but he'll come as quickly as he can see this matter once and for all. We don't need Hal to settle this matter at once and for all, a voice said from the far end of the theater, and the Baudelaire's turned to see a slender, tottering figure of Esme Squalor walking straight towards them in her stiletto-heeled shoes, with two people trailing dutifully behind her. These two people were dressed in medical coats and surgical masks, just as the Baudelaire's. Klaus and Sonny could make could see just a bit of their pale faces above their masks and knew at once that they were two powder, the two powdered-faced assistants of Olaf. This is the real Dr. Takuna, Takuna, Esme said, pointing at the woman. And this is the real nurse flow. The two people on the stage are imposters. No, we're not, the hook-handed man said angrily. Not you two, Esme said impatiently, glaring over the surgical mask at the two henchmen. I mean the other two people on the stage. They fooled everyone. They fooled doctors, nurses, volunteers, and reporters. And they even, even me, as I found... At when until I found out that the associates of Dr. Fluctuano, that is. 
and my medical opinion, Klaus said, I believe that this woman has lost her mind. I haven't lost my mind, Esme said with a snarl, but you're about to lose your head, Baudelaire's. Baudelaire's? The report from the Daily Punctilio asked. The same Baudelaire's that murdered Count Omar? Olaf, the bald man corrected. I'm confused, whined the volunteer. There are too many people pretending to be other people. Allow me to explain, Esme said, stepping off the stage. I'm a medical perfection professional, just like Dr. Fluctuano, Dr. O. Lucafont, and Dr. Takuna, and Nurse Flo. You can see that from our medical coats and surgical masks. Us too, cried Sunny. Esme's surgical mask curled up and wicked a smile. Not for long, she said, and one swift gesture she ripped the mask off the Baudelaire's faces. The crowd gasped as a mask fluttered to the ground, and the two children saw the doctors, nurses, reporters, and regular people in the crowd look at them in horror. The only volunteer, only the volunteer fighting disease, who believed no news is good news, did not recognize the youngsters. As the Baudelaire's and nurses claimed in astonishment, I read... I read about them in the Daily Punctilio. Me too, cried a doctor. It's always a pleasure to hear from our readers, said the reporter modestly. But they weren't. there were supposed to be three murderous orphans, not two, the doctor said. The oldest one, where is she? The hook-handed man hurriedly, hurriedly stepped in front of the gurney, shielding Violet from view. She's already in jail, he said quickly. She is not, Klaus said, and brushed Violet's hair out of her eyes that everyone could see that she was not Laura V. Bleediody. These terrible people disguised her as a patient so that they could cut her head off. Don't be ridiculous, Esme said. You're the one who was trying to cut her head off. Look, you're still holding the knife. That's true, reporter cried. I can see the headlines now. Murder attempts to murder a murderer. Wait until the readers read this in the Daily Punctilio. Tweem, Sunny shrieked. We're not murderers, Klaus translated frantically. If you're not murderers, the reporter said, holding out the microphone, then why have you sneaked into the hospital in disguise? Oh, I think I can explain that, another familiar voice said, and everyone turned to see Hal and enter the operating theater. In one of his hands clutched the key- ring of the keys with the Baudelaire's made from the paper clips and Violet's hair ribbon. With the other hand, he was pointing angrily at the children. Those three Baudelaire murderers, he said, pretended to be volunteers in order to come here and work in the library of records. They did, said the nurse, as the audience gasped. You mean they're murderers and phony volunteers? No wonder they didn't know the words to the song, a volunteer cried. Taking advantage of my poor eyesight, Hal continued, pointing at his glasses. They made these fake keys and switched the real ones so that they could sneak into the library and destroy the files about their crimes. We didn't want to destroy the file, Klaus said. We wanted to clear our names. I'm sorry we tricked you, Hal, and I'm sorry that some of the file cabinets were knocked over, but... Knocked over? Hal repeated. You did more than knock over the cabinets. He looked at the children and sighed wearily and turned to face the audience. These children committed arson, he said. The library of records is burning as we speak. She burned it? Well, this woman is a... Well, actually, I guess it's not the woman. It's Olaf and the woman. Nightmares. Okay. All right. Ready for your orthodontist appointment, kiddo? Mm -hmm. Okay, bye.